you got it. And if they want to drink Merlot, we're drinking Merlot. No, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot! Okay, okay, <laughs> relax, Miles. Jesus, no Merlot. Did you bring your Xanax? The Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. The oldest wine. Now I will taste hey guys, welcome to the fucking Merlot Podcast. Sorry, I had to say it. I mean, we are dealing with Merlot, and one of ours is from the Central Valley, California, as well as our two Arizonas, and from across the board, I'm Cody. If everyone could go around once and introduce themselves, uh, so that way we kind of all know who's talking here. Uh, you all know me, and we're going to go to my left. Uh, I am Stephen Elston, uh, just moved here not too long ago, and uh, we'll... Just move it along to people who want to be part of this podcast, too. <laughs> You're one of the wines is here you want to be a part of the podcast. Join us. Oh, Join yeah. us. <laughs> well, I, I'm Erica, and uh, I'll keep it simple. I'm Stephen's wife. <laughs> I'm going to pass. <laughs> and I'm Dean Pafanis, and I'm here just to enjoy the podcast and the wines with everybody. I'm Abel Mullen. I'm a... Compatriot of Stephen in the uh, Viticulture and Enology program, and uh, enjoy wine uh, frequently with the wine monk here. And that woman who said she was going to pass is my wife Cindy. <laughs> so she's not really passing; she's drinking some Merlot as we speak. So we're starting off kind of as a baseline with um, this Merlot 2015 from San Ynez Valley in California. Um, so you want to tell us a little bit about this because I'm not familiar with these guys. Sure, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, his his facility that he works out of is down in the Santa Maria area. This is the 2015 his Merlot. He's done some Merlot in the past, but he really takes the natural wine approach. So the fruit came from a sustainable vineyard out in the Los Olivos district. Um, it's 100% Merlot, no, no blending that he does, 14.1% um, alcohol, no SO2 except for 15 parts per million right before bottling, so really just like minimal intervention sort of wine going on. So this is kind of just true Merlot from that area. And just holding it up and comparing it to the other Merlots, again, I've got one in the decanter here, uh, the postmodern shaped decanter uh, from Fort Bowie, and that one is noticeably lighter than all of the others. Uh, including our Arizona, but we'll get there when we get there. This has a very interesting kind of an earthiness to it. Yeah. That uh, I'm sure uh, this winemaker is happy. Yeah. Uh, is in this wine. I would. I would. I mean, it's not quite a funkiness, but it's. Uh, you know, De definitely has an earthiness that I would say most Merlots don't have. Yeah. It's not uncommon for a lot of these natural wines to pick up that, you know, mm -hmm. like either we, we think of it as something's off or something's different from typical, but I mean, people have their regime of, of you know, SO2ing and, and treating pump overs and whatnot, but um, it is, yeah, it's interesting. I think it's fresh and fruity. Um, bright fruit. Bright fruits. It's got some grip to it. Um, it's it's young. Um, I'd like to see it, you know, where it floats. Who knows? I, it's just kind of a new thing. He's a newer winemaker too, camera reporter. Um, really awesome guy, uh, husband wife duo. But that's his approach, and I think every every vintage he's you know learning probably newer things because it's kind of a treading new waters in that area to be natural. 
Maybe one of the reasons that this is a little different than what I expect from California mm -hmm. is because it's from Santa Ynez. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've had too many Merlots from Santa Ynez. No. I don't know that I've had more than one or two wines from Santa Ynez. I've had quite a few wines, but there have been mostly Pinot Noirs and, and, a, and a few Syrahs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might be a good time to bring up the fact that Los Olivos, where Sideways was filmed in that whole Central Coast area, where this Merlot came from, was totally bashed in that movie, which is why we don't see Merlots in that area, and why Pinot Noirs is kind of going crazy right yeah. now. Yeah. Although they've, they've kind of gone crazy with their own varietals lately, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grenache and Syrah. Yeah, Tinsley. There's some great vineyards that are just focusing on... Um, Beckman is yeah. in that area. You're right, yeah, when it's the Roan Ranger style doing their thing. And so do we want to, uh, here's the next question, we want to move on to our other California? Do we want to go to the motherland? Uh, or do we want to pop in Arizona for an interlude for our next Merlot? Well, I think stylistically maybe it'd be best to go on to Arizona from here. I agree. Alrighty. Um, just kind of trying to track weight. But before we leave this, I have to say I really enjoy it. Yeah, this is good. It's a, it's a chuggable, sort of like yeah. great drinking. I think it's great. Wine. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a really good food one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> So the next one I'm going to pour um, is going to be the 2014 Merlot from Fort Bowie Vineyards, Passion Cellars, aged for 15 months in, I want to say about 30% new French oak, the rust neutral French oak, um, macerated on skins for 39 days. Uh, source, of course, was Fort Bowie, and I've been, this was kind of, this compared to the Salvatore Merlot, was kind of what spurred this whole idea for a podcast and exploring Merlot and soil types and geology and how it's affected, because you can see already how much lighter this Merlot is. So these, vine, these vines are no longer in existence, right? Yep. Fort Bowie is gone. It has ceased to be. It is pining for the fjords. Or alternately, everyone's dancing on the grave, depending <clears throat> on who you ask. I know a lot of people who are dancing on the grave of Fort Bowie. Um, but, you know, talking to Sam Pillsbury, he says that consistently Merlot was difficult to work from this site and would either over-ripen or under-ripen and just fall apart. Um, it was hard to get that darkness, hard to get the, a good acidity from it. And, but this one's got, I think... Wow. It's got quite a bit more tannin. Super tannins. Yeah. Darker. Yeah, what would you say, Elevage? It's spent in, in there's some bar barrel contact? Mm hmm. Uh, 15 months, and I think, uh, I want to say 30% new French. Hmm. Wow. I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think there's sufficient fruit there, it's just still being over overpowered by the tannin. Yeah. But, but it's amazing, as long as this was in barrel, that it's. Still this mm -hmm. No. What year is this? 2014. 2014. Uh, same with uh, Salvatore. We'll pop through next. Well, yeah. Might as well do the two Arizona side by side. And I mean, judging from the color of this, you would not expect the tannin. Exactly. And I've been in the tasting room where everyone's, a lot of California drinkers have come in and they're like, really? This this is Merlot. This is not a Merlot Rosé. This is not going to be tannic at all. And then they taste it. And then... 
they like visibly like their heads like shot. like whoa. I actually, I actually like this. <clears throat> it's not as easy to drink by itself as the Amplify was. Right. Yeah. I think maybe if you had the right food with this, it'd be pretty good. You feel as though this is going to kind of settle down in the next few years? I think so. Out in a good way? Well, the question is whether the fruit that's there, which isn't overabundant, right. <clears throat> whether the fruit will, will last long enough for the tannins to settle. That's tough in Arizona, in a new market, trying to sell. And we don't know, because we're, we're still so new at some of this yeah. that we just, you know, it's all experimental. And that was kind of what we did when we got these two different Merlots, speaking for, for Jason, because I was there when both the fruit for these came in, because uh, I was helping out down in Wilcox. And we decided when the Salvatore came in, we were going to experiment the hell out of it, try all these different things and... If it worked, then we're going to do these other things with it and kind of apply that lesson to our other wines and all that fun stuff. How'd the fruit look when it came in? Uh, the Bowie fruit looked uh, kind of like me after my after my breakup with my very first ex-fiance, kind of battered and bruised and weary. Okay. Um, the Salvatore fruit, uh, which came from Rolling View. Okay. Um was the most beautiful fruit I think I've ever seen. It looked like glass marbles. Hmm. I knew that when it came in, it's like, oh, this is going to be something special. I, we, we can't screw this up. Jason said that to me. He's like, this is going to be something special. Don't screw this up, Cody. <laughs> so <laughs> like, this is from Rolling View? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the next one. That's in the bigger decanter. But you can see just side by side that color difference. And yeah. They don't, like, color difference. They don't work anything alike. Nope. Are they, are they the same vintage? Same vintage. Same vintage. 2014. <clears throat> but, uh... That stuff from Rolling View looks a lot darker. They have more ruby. Well, I'm not going to name any names of vineyards, but I did a lot of work in different vineyards around the Verde Valley this year in the harvest. Yeah, I was there with a couple of... Yeah, and uh, some of the... I mean, there was a substantial uh, variation... In, in the condition of the berries. Oh, yeah. Uh, among the different vineyards. And you could tell the vineyards where they where they just really spent every minute necessary to make sure they were... The best possible yeah. quality. And the others where it's just like kind of like... Eh. And that yeah. comes out in the wines. You know, oh, it does. Yeah. You know, it's like someone asked me, can you make a... Can you make a bad? Can you make a good wine from a bad grape? And it's like you can, but it's a lot difficult. Yeah. A lot more difficult than doing good grapes, farmed right, grown right, cared for right, right, and then made. Well, the fruit. I will mention the one place where everything we picked was near perfect. Was the oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. Uh, I love all of their wines too. I mean Andrew. Oh, Verde. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame that he's I'm, leaving. I'm, I'm a, it, is, it is a shame, but it's an exciting opportunity yeah. for him. So yeah. that's, that's the good thing. So he's now brewing the kombucha. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I, I asked him if he was going to be doing some grape kombucha stuff, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's just going to be tending a vineyard for someone. Yeah, well, the vineyard is owned by the folks that do the kombucha. Yeah. Oh. What's kombucha? The it's the, the <laughs> fermented, uh, it's like a fermented tea drink. Oh, okay. To quote a friend of mine, um, to quote Gary, who should have been here by now, but has not arrived, um, so it goes. 
uh, kombucha is the casual sex of the fermentation world. And that it's very, very easy to care for and you don't have to worry too much about it. Versus uh, wine, of course, which is very needy and requires a lot of effort and a lot of care and time and energy. So it's like an actual relationship. Yeah. And it's like, Gary, leave it to you to put it in, in this terms. Well, I think Andrew truly is kind of a great whisperer. Mm. I mean, he's, he's still very young, but just had such an affinity for taking care of The him. skill he has now, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years from now, I think that vineyards are going to be trying to poach him left and right. Because mm-hmm. uh, his skill can only improve. Oh, yeah. You. you know, look who he learned from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Hendricks is an expert, too. Yeah. Now, this is still lighter than the uh, first one that we had from California. Yeah, but considerably uh, darker than the... Than our other Merlot from Arizona. Now, what I've... Going into and looking at the geology of both of these different vineyards, because I'm kind of a geology nerd. Um, actually, not kind of. I'm almost as big into geology <coughs> as I am into wine. Yeah, I noticed some of your... Look, some of, your, some of his geek writings. <laughs> <laughs> well, to sit on a wine fest, everybody wanted to go see what he was talking about. He was, that's what he was talking about, was the geology of the... Of the oh, yeah, that's cool. And that's how cool. it affects the wine and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, apparently in France, most of your big Merlot-heavy wines are coming from clay-rich soil. Merlot does better on that clay-rich soil. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to Arizona, Fort Bowie... Not clay-rich, very sandy, high in sodium. Um, those vineyards in France where you're growing Merlot, also low in sodium, high clay content. Um, on the bench itself, it's got a higher clay content. It's not as high as Bordeaux, and it varies from vineyard to vineyard. Um, I was talking to Greg Gonerman over at uh, Chiricahua Ranch Vineyards, and I have fruit from his vineyard here and the raspberry Merlot from Trident if we decide we want to do some more experimentation. Uh, he says he's got noticeably higher clay content in his vineyard than a lot of the other vineyards and sites that he was looking at, like Rolling View. Rolling View itself has a much higher clay content, of course, than Fort Bowie does. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why this is so dark, as well as that vineyard, looking at the grapes that came in, Dan Pierce must do a hell of a lot of care for that vineyard. Well, I, I think, he, that's, that's I think he's as meticulous as his son is. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. so uh, Best mustache in the state, even even above mine. Do, do, <laughs> do you happen to know whether these are both uh, on 1103P rootstock? I think the Merlot from Rolling View is. Um, I don't know anything about the Bowie fruit. I don't even know the clone. Because that, that also can make a substantial difference in the in the way that it ripens and everything else. I tried to ask around for information on the clones and rootstock yeah. used at Bowie, but no one knew. Hmm. No one, not even Eric. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. But uh, I got to actually have a picture somewhere in my phone of like one of the old original tags planting. Um, like, this is the rootstock, this is the clone. It was 1103P rootstock. How old were those vines that they tore out? Some of them I know were as old as like 25 years. Yeah, I think, yeah. Some of the older vines in the state. Not as old as some of the stuff in Sonoina, but damn near. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I heard somebody say that the oldest ones were 30. Sounds about right. Yeah. Which is a shame because... A real 
know, there are so many different things that could have been done instead of tearing all those vines out. Oh, and then replanting with all that water sucking trees. I mean, the guys who bought that property could have made a better profit in the long run off those grapes and growing those pecans, but... People do what they know. Yeah, well, that's absolutely right. And what their stakeholders know. You know. Yeah. yeah. But what surprises me is that nobody's barking at them about the amount of water that they consume, consume well, down there. Well, it's, right. you know, there's, they're, they're, nobody needs to be barking at them. What they need to do is pass some some water use uh, regulations that... that they do, but, they're, but, they, but those type of... I forget how the law is written, but there's laws that impact, so it doesn't impact them as much as it impacts, you know, the smaller um, business and or consumer. Well, they have the wrong regulations. I mean, the, the regulations should have to do with the amount of water that the agricultural crop They They, they have the right lobbyists. And, and, and they should probably do it per plant rather than per acre. Um, well, I guess per acre would work because you're still using less water per acre for your grapes than you are with corn or pecans. Yeah. Or cotton. Or cotton. Cotton's a big water user. Stupidest idea ever to plant cotton in the desert, but then again, we have a long history of it here. I mean, the Hohokam down in the Phoenix Basin were growing cotton here and trading it as far north as here. Or well, the other thing people need, need to keep in mind is that growing grapes creates a lot of downstream jobs, or upstream, however you look at Both it. Both ways. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That's true. And, uh, Corn doesn't. Corn doesn't. Cotton doesn't do anything because the cotton's all being shipped to Egypt. Yeah. That's the most of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the grapes are a lot better for the economy of the state than, than any other crop that's been grown. Well, for the economy of state, for the, for <clears throat> the land use, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Especially with, you know, care going into grapes. This, and understanding the stuff. one from Fort Bowie was a lot more tannic mm -hmm. than, than this. Um, this would be a little bit more of the fruit. Yeah. Content. This has that more elegant balance between yeah. fruit and tannin, I yes. think. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I more agree of that fruit kind of pushing through. This, this, I think this is a substantially better wine. It's interesting, too, because we, we talk about, you know, different soil types and how Merlot, like, flourishes in. And I know, with, with at least with the Amplify wine, like, color, you, you can't really gauge because it's all, like, foot stomped, and I'm sure that's not the case with any of these other ones. No, it's definitely not the case with ours. We definitely crushed his stemmed and pressed. We didn't foot stomp. But the, the Los Olivos district has so much rich soil from just millions of years of, you know, like, sea bone coming up and crushing through. And I know it's all, um, it's all clay loam with some shale. Well, then there you go. So That's rich. no wonder the Merlot is doing there. And I'm curious just... if it's going to bring that more of that fruity I'm, front, I'm, you know? Yeah, I mean, I... I don't want to backtrack, but I'm really surprised at the quality of this uh, wine from uh, Sandy. I was too. Yeah. You know, it was really well. It was a well-rounded um, Merlot. Really, yeah. It's, it's a very different style. Definitely a different style. I'm just curious if, if, like, with some of these with more like harsher in a way, former low soils, that it's really bringing those tannins. In, you know, maybe, maybe the harsher soil, the more tannin you get in your Merlot, which would be wine. Bordeaux, you're usually using it to cut your tannins rather than produce your tannins. So why, why would we have so much tannin in that light of colored wine? Because typically, you don't have high tannin concentrations if you don't have the, the anthocyanins yeah. also. I mean, right. the color. 
<laughs> I don't know. That's a very interesting question. And because I know that these two were... We need uh, to ask Michael Pierce about this. Yeah. We're going to reserve this. I asked him, but he's, he's he shrugged. You know, but he works. Yeah. He works 12 hours a day. He's got a life unlike most of us. <laughs> <laughs> he does, and he seems to enjoy it. But anyway, speaking for these two, I know these two had spent the same maceration time on the skins, 39 days. About the same, actually, the Salvatore wine spent more time on French oak. Um, but about that same percentage of new oak versus neutral oak. Um, well, it was a good balance of oak because it certainly isn't uh, a predominating. So were they same winemakers? Wine. Same winemaker, same Jason winemakers, DeMonaco. Just, 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 just different? Different sources. Hmm. That's the only real difference. Is that other than barrel time, because the Salvatore Merlot saw more barrel time and more bottle age time. But not that much more. We're talking in a matter of like two or three months. If I remember correctly. What does Salvatore mean? So Salvatore actually is Jason's grandfather's name, and he was a winemaker in Sicily and Calabria. Mm. Uh, hence the Sicilian trifold with the two crosses of Calabria on there. Nice, yeah. That's cool. I like that bottle. It's a beautiful bottle and a beautiful wine. I mean, um, the only wine in, or the only Merlot in Arizona that blew me away nearly as much as this was uh, the whole cluster Merlot from Chateau Tumbleweed. And I actually asked uh, the guys at Chateau Tumbleweed last night, it's like, you got any bottles of that left? I'm like, no. I was just like, ah, oh, because that would have been a fun part of that lineup. They'll do it again. Because that was because that was almost the same color and darkness as this Merlot too, and that was whole cluster. Interesting. So it had the tannins of the buoy, but also the same fruit concentration as the Salvatore, and it was that you know intense tannin and intense fruit combined. That well, was I, just, hate, I hate to say this, but I think the uh, the Fort Bowie wine should have been blended with something. Maybe. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Jump it up a notch, get it some... Give it a little bit of fruit or something. A little, a little more body and a little more fruit. I agree. Stylistically, I would have done that. Well, I mean, that was kind of the point was, you know, we're doing this, you know... Right. As an experiment between these two varietals in two different places. I mean, the other, the other one, the Salvatore, is a nice standalone wine. I oh, it is. I think it's very nice. And I think, <coughs> I think it's got uh, at least... Well, I don't know. I'd say somewhere between five and ten years left in it. Oh, yeah, that's my thought too. <clears throat> I mean, it's still tastes like a baby. It smells like. Yeah, totally. But you know, those two wines smell completely different. Oh yeah, they're, they're yeah. hugely different. Yeah. Smell, taste, look. One of my favorite Looking at them, yeah, I, I, I realized they were from the same. I will say the Salvatore yeah. actually has more in common with this wine from Santa Inez. More that Agreed. Fruit jumping through. Well, not only that, but the depth. You know the hmm. the. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it has some depth to it that that makes you think about the soil a little bit. More. Actually, I'm gonna backtrack here a little bit, just for a sip. Do a little rinse. <laughs> You want to backtrack a little bit yeah, to compare those two side by side? Yeah. And then we'll go to Bordeaux. Well, this one. Oh, yeah. This one has a really interesting nose. Now that we have, like, comparison. Right. Yeah. It does. We're all now tasting the uh, Amplify from Santa Inez. <laughs> That's a backtrack to, from the Salvatore. 
Because we all agree that the Salvatore reminds us more of this. I almost get some white pepper, but like a funky white pepper. Yeah, but but I agree. I hate to use the word funky because people think of it in a negative way, <laughs> right. and this is not funky in a negative right. way. <laughs> this is funky as in the sense of really good music funky versus like overdone laundry that's been sitting in the corner for five weeks. It's stretching boundaries in a way. Yeah. It's not, not typical. In a good way. Probably help if I took the lens cap off. <laughs> Slow clap. I'm gonna have to leave in a minute. I think Paula wants me there a little early. Tell her to come over. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not gonna get to the. Uh, we have to go to the wine consortium meeting at five. Mm. Well, that's kind of why I'm. I'm gonna zip through. <laughs> you know, these even pulled me out of um, tumbleweed last night. Who did? Cody. Oh, Cody did. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I saw well also, we, to be fair, also Dina did. Yeah, Dina did too. So, to what? So, well, when we were out back and they were in the patient room. Yeah. So, this one? Chris comes So, this is the. Your, your attendance. Oh, the board up. Yeah. Yeah. Your presence was requested out in the tasting room. Nice. Oh. So, this is our 2014 Nouvelle Era uh, Cote de Bordeaux. This is 70% Merlot and uh, the rest Cab Solve. Uh, courtesy of Club W for this. Nice, cool. Um, I love those guys. I mean, they're great for sort of a palate introduction, but they're getting to be more exclusively California wines, which upsets me a little bit. But yeah. they need to be keep that expanded Italian in Europe and bring everything in. And says a nice nose. Great nose. Thirteen point two alcohol. Yeah, which so, is awesome. So it's a little bit lower, I think, than the other stuff that we've been poking at. What was this uh, amplified? Uh, 14.1. Really? Mm -hmm. You don't get any sense of it being quite no. that high. I, I would have guessed it was about a percentage. The Salvatore is actually, oh, the Salvatore is 13.2. Yeah. So, yeah, so these two are kind of comparable in terms of alcohol. The uh, Bowie Merlot is 13.6. So this is kind of like riding that line right in between. <coughs> Intercontinental consistency. Yeah. That I really enjoy. Um, it can be, you know, kind of spicy, or you give it some age and it's just like smooth velvet cherry um, with some raspberry. You know, like I just tasting through these just makes me appreciate Merlot more than I think it actually is yeah. appreciated. Agreed. So this is the Nouvelle Era uh, 2014, so it's the same vintage as both of the Arizona Merlots. Well, this is nice. For me, Merlot has always been a Jekyll and Hyde kind of a, a wine because, you know, I've had the, the very best of France, the first growth Merlots that are unbelievable. <laughs> and then all that horrid California crap that was made for so many years for Central people, for people who walk into restaurants and said, I want a Merlot. I'm yeah. Who didn't? really care about the quality or anything else. It was the easiest it was thing, the to, easiest say thing to say. It was the easiest thing to say, yeah. 
<laughs> Until finally Cab Sav got popular and they're like, I'll have the cab. Oh, yeah. cab. Maybe cab. it's easier. <laughs> the Pinot Noir thing threw everybody for a minute. <laughs> Peanut Noir? Peanut Noir? As, as one person was telling the story to me as they were looking for a wine for, for an evening meal and they were asking for my recommendation and I told them, oh, you're eating this, you should have that. And they went into the liquor store and they didn't have that in there. They said, and, and the guy was like, oh, we got a great Peanut Noir for sale and it's just like, what? <laughs> when they start making wine out of peanuts. Yeah, yeah. So, as long as we're telling stories... Many years ago, I had the privilege of having dinner with the insurance commissioners of Alabama and Mississippi, neither one of whom could I understand when they talked, because they, they both had such incredible accents. And I'm from Indiana, I'm not from New York or California or anything, and I still couldn't understand them. And uh, they were both very intelligent, educated people, and we went to this wonderful restaurant in this, uh, I forget now the name of the uh, hotel, but the really famous hotel in uh, downtown Nashville. Uh, people, I, th I think it's the Peabody. All no. That, oh, no. no, the um, Peabody might be in uh, no, no. Memphis. Where Grand Opry is. Um, anyway, Gaylord, it doesn't. Gaylord's Hotel. Gaylord. Could be. Peabody's, Peabody's in, May, in Memphis. Memphis, right. right. I've been to both of them, They're similar type places. But anyway. The sommelier brings the wine list to the table, and the gentleman from Mississippi says in his very loud voice, I'll have some of that there pooly fussy. This guy was a very knowledgeable wine drinker, and he loved that stuff. But that's that's how he pronounced it. Holy pussy! And of course, oh, it, it sounded, you know, like a, you know, obviously sounded like a sexual, uh, some wonderful innuendo. Yeah. Of course, the entire restaurant, which was a very you know, high-end, five-star kind of restaurant. The entire restaurant, people were just rolling on the floor. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> uh, this is the Bordeaux. Oh, okay. Was it vintage? 14? 14. 14. Man, it's young. It's yeah, it's, young. It is. it's very young. Well. It's kind of tight, too. It's, it's got some time to well, do its thing. <coughs> Yeah, I agree with you, Cynthia. <coughs> this wine has zero finish. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's flat. It is. Okay, so I'm not the only one who thought that. No, it's very flat. It, it seems like it, it needs it, to really it, open. It, yeah, no, and of no, course no, the decanter I have is... No, no, this wine will never get any better than it is right now, and it's not all that great right now. I would say this is my so. least favorite. I even like this less than the overly tannic... Uh, Wine from uh, Fort Bowie. Oh, just wait. There's a Hungarian semi-sweet Merlot coming that you'll probably okay. like less than this. <laughs> I've actually had some really good Hungarian Merlot. I've actually never had any experience whatsoever with Hungarian wine, so this will oh, be the first Hungarian wine yeah, I've ever they, had. There are some really, really nice Hungarian wines. And once, I mean, uh, I, I think the small amount they're making is getting consumed mostly uh, before, In Hungary. It, before it gets to us. 
They make a lot of wine, but the uh, high quality stuff is is uh, not not in high volume. So, uh, if you want to pour that back into yeah, the decanter, or yeah, I can't. I can't I've got a torch. I can grab a torch. Is this in here? Yep. Using, using Hungarian, Hungarian oak. Hungarian oak, I think, has got a lot of uh, fun influence to it. Well, Hungarian and, and uh, Croatian, uh, Croatian oak are both. You know, they're they're the same. Uh, we already wrote they're, this one. They're the they're the same. <laughs> they're the sure same family as, as French oak. Uh, as opposed to American oak, and they're, the oaks are really good. Croatian. So here's the question, guys: Do we want to go to the go back to California, or do we want to move forward to Hungary before we go back to Can um, I, California? I, is the, I think we need to do the uh, Mayakamas. Let's do the Mayakamas yeah, then. I need, to, yeah. I need to leave in a minute. Oh my me and my obligations. It'll be interesting to see how this. Uh, now that we've had these others. <coughs> I just think that that last so one this we color had is, is, is super darkest. hard. Oh, yeah, this is the darkest this color by far. Yeah. So, so uh, let me talk about this for just a minute since I brought it. This is, oh, yeah. this is the 2005 Mayakamas from Mount Weeder, uh, obviously one of the most famous Appalachians in Napa Valley. Uh, <clears throat> this particular wine uh, was not made in the California style at all. It was very angular and uh, and kind of rough when it was young. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I read a, a review Parker did maybe in 2010 that said he thought it might be ready to drink by 2012. Oh, wow. Um, so we're now four years after that. Hmm. And um, it's... I had a little taste of it when I first opened it, and I would say it's not stylistically like what you would expect most California Merlots. No, I agree. From what I tasted, it reminded me more of a French style. Yeah. Um, well, and that's actually what they were going for. Uh, um, they really the wanted it. really got, brings out a lot of uh, like dark fruit. Mm -hmm. Not much bricking, to be honest. No, no. It, 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 it doesn't. Is this is. The color is fantastic. Oh, God. <clears throat> wow. Hmm. But I, I I would definitely guess this to be a Bordeaux rather than a California. More than our Bordeaux than we just had. Right. <laughs> this is more Bordeaux like than the Bordeaux we just yeah. freaking drank. Yeah. Go figure that one. Very young tasting, isn't it? Yeah. Still so this, this is 11 years old. It's 11 years old. And it tastes, the fruit still tastes Yeah, young. I mean, it, it's like everything about it tastes young. Uh, I don't think it's disjointed, you know, like a super young wine. This is probably pretty disjointed when it was really young. I can imagine. But. <clears throat> wow. I get this really great kind of like fall spice to it mm -hmm. um, that's just floating on top. It's not actually in the wine because I get yeah. that red fruit coming out, but I, I think it's... It, you get the sense of its age, but it's not that like. It's almost like someone's handed you a black coffee that someone has put a little bit of cream on top with pumpkin spice. Mm -hmm. And then you get that little bit of the spice as you're going into the palate and diving in. Mm -hmm. And then you get that really bright red. And then some dark red fruit in there too, like so cassis and currant. <clears throat> to me, the finish in this is really interesting because the finish starts just about. 
maybe a third of the way back in your palate, and it just hangs on there for a long time. Yeah. Right, right in, in the, the middle. Cheeks. Right in the middle. Right. It just yep. hangs yeah. on, and then it just slowly dissipates. <laughs> oh, uh, at the end, of, you know, the finish uh, is really interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Mer Merlot, I mean, the what you always hear is just mid-palate. Merlot, mid-palate. Mm -hmm. yeah. You always hear those two names come. Merlot is only for the mid-palate. And, and it's not, because we, we've seen so many wines that we're just enjoying now that are so like, whoa, this is like full front, you know, it's it's lots of tannins. But this, to me, is what I would want from Merlot. You yeah. know, it's, it's very mid-palate. This is delicious. Lots of interesting things. To so, I bought, I bought a case of this, uh, and I... I want to tell a story about this wine. I bought this at a wine dinner uh, the distributor put on down in uh, Tucson when I lived there uh, at one of the new casino restaurants. And uh, he seated me next to the uh, representative of Monacamas. <coughs> and uh, I told him a story about uh, one time back in the mid-80s when I was at a meeting in San Francisco that I decided was not worth my attendance. And I got in my car by myself, and I drove to Napa Valley for the sole purpose of going to my accounts. Oh, wow. And <clears throat> I got there, and it said, that I think they had a little sign at the gate that maybe said no trespassing. They did not have a tasting room. Nothing. Okay. And they're way up on top of, of the mountain. How'd you know about it? Well, because I've been drinking their wine in Indianapolis, okay. which is where I lived at the time, and I thought their wines were just fantastic. Uh, you know, they had 100-year-old or 120-year-old, whatever, Zinfandel vines. Oh, wow. Um, anyway, it was, it was a really old-world-style winery in Napa Valley <clears throat> that I really liked what they made. I think mostly I had their Cabernets at that time. But anyway, I ignored the sign. I drove up the hill. And uh, because they didn't have a tasting room or anything, I mean, there was nobody else there. No cars in their parking area, nothing. Big, huge barn, which I later found out was built in the, uh, I think, mid-1800s, maybe. Uh, I, I believe Myacomas is the oldest winery, <clears throat> not continuous winery, but oldest winery in, in Napa Valley. Uh, and, uh, you know, from back in the early 1800s. And anyway, I started banging on the doors, and this delightful woman came and rolled back this big barn door and asked what I was looking for, or who I was looking for. <laughs> and and uh, she said, we don't have a tasting room. And I said, well, I understand that, but, you know, I live in Indianapolis, and I just drove all the way from San Francisco because in the last two or three years, my very favorite wine I've had is from Iacomas, and I just really wanted to come here and see what you were doing. I spent the next three hours with this woman, Oh, wow. Barrel tasting everything. Uh, we were the only two people there. That's and, wonderful. And just having the most fantastic time. So I told this story to this uh, young guy who was sitting next to me uh, at this wine dinner in Tucson. And he started crying like a baby. And it was his mother I was talking about who oh. died three weeks before this dinner. We oh, no way. And uh, he was he was grinning and laughing and crying at the same time because he loved hearing the story, but of course it made him very emotional. <laughs> and uh, anyway, 
So it makes this wine especially uh, uh, yeah, yeah. something I really think is neat, you know? Oh, Hello! That's awesome. Howdy. <laughs> Tina has finally arrived. I know. How are you? I'm back, and I have to leave. What time is it? Oh, you've got another okay. five or ten minutes. I'm standing yeah, by. you got time for the Hungarian. Yeah, I have to be there pretty much, So, anyway, I'm glad this wine has held up well. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's really uh, a beautiful wine. I took a bottle of this to uh, Paula Woolsey's class uh, a couple weeks ago, oh. and it was corked. <laughs> yeah. So I was so oh, fucked up. I, I was, like, I I was, I was so really bad. disappointed. Is this, or, is, or is that wine that he took to uh, but I wasn't, Michael's class that had Brett and he hands it to me and goes, here, take this film, I think you'll really like this. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm no, the one who no. called it out as Brett. But it, was, <laughs> but, but it was really good, Brett. Dina, come on back. We're uh, moving on to the next wine. Or that works too. I've got to have my wife taste this. Is this one sweeter? Yes, it's supposed to be, apparently. So we're starting off with. Uh, well, we've started off with everything. Um, we've got the. I'm gonna butcher this in Hungarian horribly. Garamvari, Saint Donatus Estate, Balaton Bulgari Merlot, from 2015. Now, thank you for bringing that. That was amazing. Oh. No. That was your decanter too. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. You know, it wasn't an expensive decanter, but it was my favorite one. <laughs> well, I, mean, I have I have about ten or fifteen of them at home, but not not any more of this particular one. Should we do the if this one has RS in it? Should we do the dry before jumping? Yeah, you're right. We should. Um, hey, here, let's use. Hold. You might want to hold on to that before you. It's good. Here, hold on. Pour this back. Well, at least I don't have to carry this home. <laughs> no, it's the. Uh, we're we're going to do the last dry Merlot blend versus uh, this one because uh, that was smart, Cody. Grab the bottle instead of the decanter. It's the that one still. Yeah. This is fancy. So this is the Vita Nova, which people might know a little bit about, too. Um, all Central Coast fruits. Um, this one's called the Acronicus. It's 1999. I've heard it's a little bit past itself, but um, I had an opportunity to work with Oval and Climat and uh, Jim Clendenin down in Central Coast. And it's actually a collaboration between Jim Clendenin of Oval and Climat, uh, Adam Tolmack of the Ojai Vineyards, um, which is dates back quite a bit. I think they both went to Zaka Mesa. That's where they got their start. Uh, and Doug Marjoram, who's also Central Coast. This is That's like the Merlot grapes that went into the Salvatore, by the way. Right there. But this, this is... Uh, which one do I have now? This is the 99 Vita Nova. Vita Nova. Yeah. This uh, is Petit Verdot and Merlot? It's going to show its age, but, but this... No, this I think, but I think it's got some VA. Yeah, um, I do too. Um, that tomato -y yeah. Stew. yeah. Tomato stew. Because I, I've had some wonderful wines from Vita Nova. Mm -hmm. I think this. their last vintage that they did, because uh, Jim took it on, he was like, I'll take it all and, and do it. I think it was 2011, they did an all Merlot, low. But they're going for that Bordeaux style. But, but there's something wrong with this one. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's this is not the, 
Yeah, I think this is a... Worth a shot. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it's disappointing because I've had really good wines from Vita Nova. They're 2000, which I've got a couple bottles yeah. as well, which is, it's 60% Merlot and then blend. So I was like, well, it's not really a Merlot bo- podcast. Maybe next time we'll go yeah. into some older ones. But their 2000, I heard, is, was a great vintage for Vita Nova. Um, I don't think Bardo I can stuff. break this one. Oh, yeah, let's pour it. Um, oh, uh, I'll get another. Yeah. It's just me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the, pour no, back the nose here. is. Yeah. Nice. Is the Vita Nova? I, I'm going to try it. No. Just smell it. It's not the worst wine I've had, but it's not the best wine. Yeah. I'll pour this down the. Yeah, that's. Uh, oh, <laughs> and I'm gonna head out. Well, wait. There's the Hungarian Merlot. There's only one more. There's only one more. It only takes five minutes to get to Old Town, right? Yeah. Yes. I didn't. I haven't gotten a text from Paul saying, "Where are you? Why aren't you here?" So, and I'll pour you a tiny pour, so that way you can go early. I'm gonna. That's good. That's good. I'm gonna rinse this out. I'll just do quick rinse. Yeah, same here. Yeah, could you dump that for me, please? Certainly. Okay. Thank you. Rinse? Yep. Oh, I'm gonna need to take this jacket and dry cleaning now. <laughs> it's not. It's not washable. It doesn't look like a. No, it's definitely not washable. Well, you've got wine on your shirt too. What? The shirt is always washable. Dina? Yes, sir. Your glass, sir, madam. I'm a big fan of spray and wash. It takes wine out of anything. Mm, yeah, yeah. As long as you don't try to get it, get it out with anything else first. You don't, oh. have, you don't have the Italian restaurants to put the, uh, soda water or club soda or whatever oh, yeah, yeah, else. Right. Don't ever do that. Mm, so this one is going to have a lot of RS. It is semi-sweet. Uh, 2015 vintage. From Hungary. Balaton Bagari Merlot. Uh, from St. Donatus Estate, Garamvari, wherever mm. that is in Hungary. So why is there a lot of RS? I'm assuming that this is kind of the style and okay. Style. May, may I may I tell you? I yes. Have, I have wines that my Russian friends have given me over the years that I cannot bring myself to drink. Uh, they were Stalin's favorite wines. Oh, Kavanskari from Georgia. From Georgia and, and uh, Moldova, he he loved wines from Moldova as well, and um, they are all sweet reds. Uh, the Russians, <laughs> the Russians, which were the primary customers of, of all of the Eastern Bloc countries who, who made wine, the Russians liked sweet reds, mm-hmm. and so and so that yeah. that's there's a history of that in, in that area. So this is not nearly as sweet as most of them. Yeah, I've had a few sweet ones. Yeah. The Republic of Georgia, that one's much sweeter. Yeah. Still. Right. You know, I think well, it's good for some people. Well, you know, I mean, that's how Kendall Jackson, that's how Kendall Jackson got everybody to drink their shard. It has a little RS in it. And I was going to say, there's something very similar to the Russians in Arizona right now, where they want their reds to be a little sweet, and and it's just Arizona, and it's just you know, newer areas and. It's our fault. It's our fault. Well, no, but people who aren't experienced wine drinkers uh, appreciate the softening effect of a little bit of sugar. Yeah, for sure. And this isn't horrible. Yeah, no, it's not horrible. Uh, I would drink this more than that last one. Sorry, sorry, Steve. But no, I didn't make it. It's old. I couldn't get past the nose in the last one. It was, it's just stewed tomato and. There's um. You know what I 
think would be cool, which a lot of these, like, maybe cooler climates, or even in Russia, what people do, I mean, they make a lot of different, like, glug, and, and you know, like, mold wines, things yeah. like that. I think people get used to that traditionally in, in like, holidays, and, and you, you right. put spice in it, and you Makes like sense. that sweeter in that wine, and so well, I could see maybe maybe yes. that has a place. I have to tell you because... I like this, too. I have to tell you because I've had uh, a lot of experience with Eastern Europeans, Mm -hmm. Eastern Europeans drink alcohol to be alcohol. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I had all these Romanian government officials at my house one day. Uh, their first trip, right after the wall went down, mm -hmm. and, and it was their first trip to America. And I served them American. I mean, the best quality steaks that I did on my grill. Nice. Stuff that they couldn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. They were in heaven, and I served them really good wine. Yeah. Well, I kept noticing these quizzical looks on their faces, and they kept, finally one of them got up nerve, enough nerve to say, to ask if I had anything to drink. They didn't consider wine to be an alcoholic beverage. And, and of course they'd been drinking, wow. they'd been drinking it like it was water, but they wanted, and uh, because I don't drink a lot of hard liquor, I didn't have a lot in my house, but I had just come back from the Caribbean, and had these fantastic rums. Oh, <laughs> so so I went and got the you know these hundred hundred proof rum Bordeaux bottles out of my uh, stash. Yeah, brought them out, and uh, there were five guys having dinner. They drank two fifths of rum in, in about thirty minutes. So the wine was just another piece of the, the it was plate. Like drinking water, right? Yeah. Right. They, they didn't. <laughs> anyway, so when that's, that's your attitude about alcohol, you understand that they're not thinking about wine as an accompaniment to food. It's not their history. In Italy, wine's considered to be food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so it is an integral part of your dinner. But in a lot of the Eastern European countries, it was never considered to be food. It wasn't considered to be part of their... Yeah, They're the only dinner. Eastern. I'm out of here. And so they, See you, Dane. they drink it for alcohol. Give my regards for the uh, <laughs> yeah. to everybody. Yeah, well, I'll, well, I'll be talking to you soon after. I'll see you in a few minutes. Yeah, save my place. See you, See you Dane. Thanks for swinging by. Well, yeah, the only Eastern European countries that have a history of wine, um, Hungary. Well, hung Hungary, of course, their their big history is dessert wine. The Tokaji. Tokai, yeah. Tokai Azu. And then also Romania, which is kind of half dessert, half main, and Georgia, which has, and Armenia, which whether you consider Armenia part of Europe or Asia is up to conjecture, but at the same time, Georgia and Armenia have the longest history of yeah. wine compared to anybody else. You know, this Hungarian wine's not bad at all. No. I dig it. Yeah. Not bad. Dina yes. made me pour out the rest of it. I'm going to pour you the Salvatore Merlot. Thank you. Well, you didn't like the uh, Hungarian wine? Um, oh, no, I do, but I also have to drive in like an hour. Yeah, but but I don't think, there's nothing wrong with it. No, no not I at all. I actually it, love it in a particular setting. It, it has I mean, no flaws. I think because the right of the little bit of RS right? in it, you, uh, I would probably drink it a little colder than I would yeah. the other okay, wines. Cool, yeah. it's a good pull. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a, a, a great food wine, necessarily, but it'd be well, a it red be wine you'd dessert. have as an aperitif. Yeah, yeah. a sipper. Or, or after Just like a little, right. little tiny right. amount. That, that was the point I was trying to make, that they're making wine to just drink as a beverage, not as an accompaniment to food. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
Totally. No, I didn't get to ask Dean this question, unfortunately, because he's he daddled before mm. he could answer. Emma, what was your favorite of the Merlots? What was my favorite of mm-hmm. the Merlots? Well, definitely the Mayakamas. Yeah, the Mayakamas is good. Although, uh, I have to say, uh, I, I would definitely buy this uh, Amplify from Santa Inez. I think it was uh, was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know what it cost. It's twenty five retail young winemaker guy just trying to do natural wine. That's not yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, um, I think the Mayakamas is my favorite, really? followed by the Salvatore, and then the Viaca- and then the uh, Amplify. Well, I did. I did like the Salvatore. I like it. It's very light. What the Salvatore? Yeah. Uh, but it's well balanced nice. and it's a nice wine. Mm-hmm. I think the Mayakamas. Did you have any of the Mayakamas? Not yet. That's what I was going to pour for her next. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to leave it because obviously I don't need to take the uh, decanter home since it's broken. Yeah, I I broke the uh, bottom off of it. Come on, Amy. It's not a good drinking night unless someone's uh, broken something. (laughs) Ah, Belated. Opa! Opa! Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for bringing that, Emil. That was, I like the Viacamas. That's beautiful. It's a 2005, and I think it's, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had it in probably at least five years, maybe longer. You're sure you don't want to stick some back in the bottle to take with you for later? No, no, no. Why don't you guys finish it off? I've got to go to the wine consortium meeting. I've got a bottle of uh, of 2000 Barolo in here. (laughs) Sneaking it in? Son of a bitch! (laughs) Marry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're you're married, great. Right? Barolo, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Great. Have fun with the Barolo. Hey, I, I appreciate you putting this together. Not a problem. Anytime. And I appreciate all your fun things that I listen to and see on Facebook and and uh, oh, I better not forget those. Yeah, it's good time. And Stephen. Yeah. You're my favorite young person. Oh my goodness. Oh, ow, stab and twist. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, in my... uh, I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to learn. I'm in this uh, viticulture and enology program where there are two or three people older than me, and I'm 65. (laughs) And the the average age in the class is probably somewhere around 50 or 55. Could be, yeah. I would guess. And uh, so I'm I'm very pleased uh, to, to have... Young, New exciting people in the program that That's I cool. that I get to hang out with. You know. so, we're trying. We're trying. Anyway. <laughs> we're here. Nice to see you. Yeah, take care. Drive Very safe. nice to see you. And uh, yeah, have fun at your event tonight. Oh, I will. I think I think you want me to work. Well, <laughs> I like this one. Well, the Viacomas, the Salvatore, and the uh, San Inez are probably my three top favorites. The Bordeaux was really disappointing. Where is that? And that's in the pretty decanter. It just had no finish and was... Oddly enough, as the birthplace of such... Yeah, it's weird. Here, here it is, the birthplace of this grape. And it's like, eh. But then again, that was kind of designed for a newer, younger palette. Maybe if we had done the Chateau Poyan, it would have ended up different. I mean, I do have a second Bordeaux. This is, I think, about 60 or 50% Merlot, so it's a little bit less. Is this the one you opened? Yeah, and then, like I said, that's in the uh, gold the gilded, pretty gilded... The pretty gilded, mostly useless decanter. Mm-hmm. Although the postmodern decanter is really not much better for... I think we 
Are these both postmodern? They kind of look like... I like them. Yeah. That's what I thought this one was. I was like, cool. And then I think it's just a juice decanter. So I'm like, well. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so my mom gave it to her. I was like, I want this. She's like, okay. okay. I think it's for orange juice. <laughs> it's anything can decant, right? As long as there's a little surface area going on. It's decan. Uh, well, no, never mind. It is decant, decan, not decan. So I guess there are some things that you can't decant because it's decant as but yeah okay. Decantable. Yeah, it's supposed to decant. Yeah okay. I may need to stop drinking. <laughs> now the Hungarian Merlot is not bad. It's not as sweet as I thought it would be. I mean, it's still not my favorite, but. I'm sorry, Greg Goderman and uh, Ray Stevenson. We didn't get to the Raspberry Merlot. Um, That'll be probably a separate entry, maybe a separate podcast. Um, but thank you again to those who answered my Facebook weirded status going, what the fuck is up with Arizona Merlot and why is it so different in different places? Uh, that would be to shout out to Sam Pillsbury, Greg Goderman, and we're the only two that really replied to that status and, and coherently. And uh, also <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Because um, they both had very intelligent things to say about soils and grapes and their own experience with those varietals. Um, yeah, this is... I, I also think this is something that uh, Michael Peters needs to be aware of, is that uh, soil definitely has a huge effect mm-hmm. on Merlot grapes in Arizona. I mean, we tasted it earlier. Um, I can pour you when you're done with that. The, uh, this one? The the also the uh, yeah, Bordeaux, not Bordeaux. Here. I just don't want to waste this. I go and put it in something else. So this is the Vaqueras? Yes. Okay, I'll pour it back in there. So, Wait. Yeah. What? So I'm going to pour you next up the, do you want the Bordeaux or do you want the Fort Bowie? <laughs> oh, I would like to try the Fort. Who made that one? Uh, Jason DeMonaco as well. So, Jason DeMonaco made this from Fort Bowie Fruit. 2014, 15% new French oak. Um, sorry. 15% nothing. Not 15% anything. 15 months French oak. We've hit the point where finally thought streams are coming and the alcohol is starting to affect me. Which is why I'm going to Vinny's after this for a shit ton of (laughs) pizza and hot wings. Because it's just, all I have to do is trundle down the road. I like Vinny's more than Bocce, but that's kind of because I grew up more with that style rather than. I, I totally. I, I know what you're talking about. Like kind of New York yeah, almost they're trying. Like they claim to be New York style. They do, and it's but you would know it's more than anyone else. I had it once, and I was cool with it. Yeah, that's why yesterday when you guys were like, "You're gonna eat this pizza," I'm like, "I don't want to eat that pizza." And then you liked it. I, I liked it, but I was also like, "That was our third winery." So it was a good chance. No, that was our third. just really spoke to me. That was our third. Garlic was good. Chateau Tumbleweed was number four yesterday. Because we started off with... Delicious. We started off at the uh, Southwest Wine Center for the Carbonic Macerated Cap release. That, Mm -hmm. yes. That was interesting. I did like that Mignon like crazy. That was good. That's where I saw you guys. Yes. Yes. Then DA. Which was beautiful. Beautiful grounds. Have you been... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, we love Penny I'm friends with Tilly. There you go. Best friends. Best friends. Be a host with a cat. Miss her. Shout out to Tilly, their cow. Woo! Then, <laughs> then for eight. That's awesome. Then we finished oh. off the Chateau Tumbleweed. That's right. That's where we 
Wait, where, where are you from? You say and I got to drink the Admiral. Thank you. Wait, yes. what's the Admiral? The Admiral Star Sailor, which is a sign that... Oh, that's right. No, it's not Cobb Franck. There's no Cobb Franck in the Star Sailor. Pretty sure there's no Cobb Franck in the Admiral Star Sailor. I'm pretty sure it was Sorak, Grenache, Carignan, and... Uh, Mouvedra. Who had the Cabb Franck names? You're talking about the Gallia at... Um, yes. At tum- not tumbleweed, at uh, four eight wine works. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Honey, it's the guy that you're talking about. Pretty sure. There is a cab franc blend and a full cab franc, but as far as I'm aware, you did not drink that. I did. At uh, tumbleweed. Because I didn't think they had the full Cap Franc open. I love that. But the Gallia is... Yeah, the Gallia is like 54 Cap Franc and and 40-something Merlot. Mm -hmm. So I guess between all of us, we have to decide which ones we want to take home. Are you still recording? Yeah, because we're still not quite done. Well, we're don't still know. drinking, but I, I can stop recording now. It's no, been an know. hour. I don't know how your podcast goes. Our podcast, my podcast, generally degenerate into drunken madness. If you've heard enough of them, they always degenerate into drunken madness. This was more ordered because we had a time constraint on Emil and oh, Ian. No, yeah, yeah, if there wasn't, then it was. Then it would totally be laid back and like end up being two hours and be like, oh yeah, wine. Uh, so anyway, I like that description. Wait, I did want to ask you, where are you originally from? So I am originally born and raised. Pizza wise. Oh, pizza wise. Uh, I'm born and raised native Phoenician. Okay. Phoenix. Me too. Me too. Born and raised. Um, so when it came to growing up, my parents went to this place called Ray's Famous Original Pizza uh, and ordered from Famous Ray's Original Pizza or Famous Ray's or Ray's Famous or whatever the fuck it was. Okay. Consistently. And so that was kind of the pizza I grew up with along with Peter Piper Pizza and this oh, sure. crazy equivalent to Chuck E. Cheese called Pistol Pete's. Yeah, Pistol Pete's. I absolutely know. <laughs> Which is now, I guess, no longer in existence. No, yeah. but they had the whole... Animatronic. Yeah, animatronic <laughs> band thing. and Vedra, that's what it is. Not, um, Capron. I told you. I told you. It was no, Vedra in the, in the, no, in the, in the, in the, in the, in I said the, in 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 the, there is no other. There is no other vintage of the Admiral Star Sailor that I'm aware of. I would no. It's a tumbleweed. They have such. I get like fatigue, brain fatigue when I look at all everything. I, I think they they do a lot. Um, I on the, the other hand, I love the back labels at Chateau Tumbleweed because oh, they yeah, tell the me back labels. Yeah, absolutely. But they're like Roundup is like total paradox of choice <laughs> you know and I, I love that people I find it hard to remember everyone's blends because yeah, they're so maybe. unique yeah. but they are like doing more conceptual blends you know yeah mm-hmm. but once uh okay I am cutting myself off man I love that wine though I really do have they ever most star sailor you should have bought a tried to finagle a bottle 
No, there was only a little bit left. I know, that's why you should have tried to finagle a bottle. Finagle being the operative word here. Finagle, um, bargain, bargain, plead. Negotiate. Negotiate. Manipulate. Swindle. Swindle. Kitty! Swift. Yes. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I think that I, when I hear that, I think of like just throwing it. So in the future, there is going to be a Chateau Tumbleweed podcast with Graciano. Cool. Kind of like what we did here. Uh, the difference is uh, I've been kind of collecting Graciano's oh, from sure. across the world. Nice. Wow. Uh, I found a Rioja Graciano that was like 95% Graciano, which is really rare for a Rioja. Mm-hmm. Because normally it's Tempranillo and lesser extensive Grenache and Graciano. Yeah, percentage off, yeah. um, I picked up a California Graciano. I also picked up Ken Calligan's Graciano down south. Cool. I would want to, yeah, I want to get down. And then, uh, of course, I have both vintages of the Chateau Tumbleweed Graciano and nice. the bear in the Harambe, as I affectionately Did call it, because it's got the... Well, it's, it's got the gorilla on the label, so it's... Did the bear. I did. I don't know if you did. I did, too, yeah. That's what we were talking about, the gorilla. Yeah. I was like, wait, a jump on that? That was fast, but it's not really called the Harambe, is it? No, no. The Harambe. So, wait, so then the Merlot Cab Franc blend that I loved was that? That was Michael the Gallia? Pierce's other label. And that was at Michael Pierce's other, yeah, Michael okay. Pierce's Seculum, Seculum Cellars Seculum label. That blend is solid. Um, God, yeah. That one. That is a sexy fucking blend. It really is. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about bringing my bottle to that for this, but it's less Merlot than Cap Franc. And uh, I'm potentially saving it because I sent another bottle along with a few other. I sent it basically an Arizona wine care package to this wine blogger in New York who goes by the moniker Blancs de Blonde. And she's like this 23 year old sommelier from New York. What's her name? Heather is her name. She work at a, a bar? I don't know much in the way of detail. I know that she's got a blog, a blog, and she critiques her wines almost the same way I do, with like sort of personifications and that sort of thing. Oh, cool. And so I thought, uh, because Arizona wines don't get enough love on the East Coast, I would send her a care package for Christmas of Arizona wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Ga- I sent my extra bottle of the Galia to her. Um, I sent an extra bottle of the Sangiovese Rosé that has yet to be released from Passion. I sent an extra bottle of the Sauvage Blanc 2014 uh, Willow White. Um, because. Oh no, you know, we had the Sauvage Blanc at Yeah. But here's the thing everywhere else in America, Sauvage Blanc has this foxy hybrid character. Where you can, like, oh, this is a foxy hybrid, we're going to pour this out. It doesn't here in Arizona. Hmm. Or it's there, but it's very minuscule in quality and it's not very noticeable. Yeah, it's not it's like part of that balanced palette. Yeah. So I sent her a bottle of that. I sent her a bottle of the College Grenache. Hmm. Um, what else did I send her? I sent, oh, San Reckoner 2014 Malvasia Bianca, because okay. it's fucking San Reckoner, it's fucking Malvasia. As much as you hate it, Dina. Malvasia. I don't hate it, I just feel like it's played out here. And Everybody it's also big, big, well. big, you know, like in your nose, in your face, like this big, huge fruity, and you think people like it, but I, I think it's not the right type of fruit. Like, it's I, it's interesting, but we've done right. With the right I love it. I, I love Arizona Malvasia. I mean, Malvasia Bianca is bay, kind of. Yeah, it's your... Uh, I mean, I was engaged to it for... Yeah, so, okay, so, yeah. Dean and I came up with this game, and we're going to impart it on you guys now. 
Uh, Mary Kill Fuck, but with grapes. Uh, for me, my Mary is surprisingly not Malvasia. It would be Amarone del Valpolicella Rapazzo. Um, slash to not. Fuck would be Malvasia Bianca. Kill would be, of course, Concord. Well, no, you can pick a different one. Yeah, you gotta you pick, pick a more like noblesque. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, in that case, if I, Vitus, noblesque, what are, what if I had to pick noblesque, if I had to pick a Vitus um, that I had to kill, um, damn, I guess Norton really doesn't count. And it could be you kill, but you probably love it you too at the same time. Yeah. In that case, I guess it would have to be Bordeaux. That wasn't bad at all. Because Bordeaux is kind of. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, Bordeaux. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, if we have to do the non-Vitus rules, hmm. or the Nifra rules, just, rather, just as opposed to shit we hate. Hers would definitely apply to the Vitus rule because her f- kill is white Zin. Yeah. With Zinfandel. So just, just white. Just white Zinfandel. I guess you get to. So, how you treat the grape? Yeah. It could be the blend or like the regional, you know, because like my Mary is Barolo or okay. Barone. Can I just like, marry Rose? Sure. Yes. Dry Rose. Dry Rose, okay. That's a good Mary. That's a fun, especially here in Arizona, it's shit. Like yeah. openness to the relationship. Yeah. There's a lot of open relationship in Rose. What? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's so funny. It's very good. Take that game into I new quarters. I feel like you know my kill because you could tell me like wine that you opened that I'm always like, ah, I just don't like it. Oh man, I, I need to know. Yeah, like, what? Exactly. I can't even oh, think. Oh gosh, what do you always just hate on when we try it? Do I? Do I hate on? Yeah, I'm trying to think of your kill. Mm, uh, do you, unless you already know it. Maybe just just like cabs, like American cabs. Like I just think it's so. I mean, I taste some oh. great Napa cabs, like from. You know, really like like volcanic, and I'm getting this like so great sensation. But in terms of what I poured, that is the wine that everybody poured out. Yeah, oh, that okay. was the '99. Should um, I? So I'll leave it. Who are you going to kill? He hasn't guessed. guessed. Oh, I haven't decided yet. I'm I but Malasia in this area made me want to kill it for a while until mm-hmm. I realized that I think that for my tastes for Malasia. I'd want a little bit more acidity, and like I'd even if if I were gonna make it, probably do it like a little like sparkling, like half fermented. God, uh, someone needs to. Okay, someone in Arizona needs to fucking make a pet nat Malvasia. Yep, absolutely. Let, I when is the college gonna do a pet nat? Because that's the next logical experiment <laughs> after the carbonic maceration. I talked to Michael about it, and um, because I'm I'm down with pet nets, I've got some in my. my I've got right three in my stash cutting yeah. for fucking New Year's. Nice, good for you. I think it's cool, and I think it tastes exactly like if anyone's worked a vintage harvest, you know, with any sort of winemaker, and you're tasting through the pressing, and you get that yeah, it's, that stuff, and you taste it all throughout your your harvest, you're tasting pet net. Yeah, you're tasting that evolution of CO two inside the wine. And when I open that bottle, I get nostalgic, and I love just literally cleaning my house and just drinking tons of like, bubbly. It, it could be, it could be, it could be still, it could be whatever. But yeah. I want something bubbly when I'm yeah. like jumping around. It's like 10 a.m. I don't care. You know? Dude, no, yeah. my sister. Mimosa. Is it normal for us to be drinking champagne for breakfast? Also? Yes, it's actually perfect. Yeah, it's perfectly normal. Sparkling Shiraz. Uh, Mr. Danielle. <laughs> 
I had a uh, sparkling Dolcetto last New Year's Eve that was amazing. Uh, I actually reordered it again from Club W. Dolcetto could be my... What's my Tanat? Tanat, you said. Oh, because I always harass you about that yeah. because the oh, personification, yeah. everything, everyone says is Tanat. We went to it Uruguay. Is, it's a dirty, dark grape. Mm-hmm. We, we Last like year and a half, we went to Uruguay and all we, all I mean, obviously that's like the national. Walking every, to any place that sells wine and you're like, I can't decide. There's so many options of Tanat. There, all there is Tanat. Every single menu yes, look is Tanat, 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 and then maybe you know, like like Argentina and yeah, stuff like that, and, but Malbec, Malbec, yeah, Malbec Malbec City, but, yeah. but all it's tonight, and we we're like, whoa, we love tonight. <laughs> and we come here, and it's just like we can't get tonight, and, but we have some tonight, like. Maybe if you do, well, if you do another tonight. Oh, um, there will be another. There will be another tonight podcast because I've been, as you, as I told you yesterday, I've been collecting the set of every vintage of tonight coming from Da. Yesterday, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I bought the reserve to not at uh, DA. He's committed. So I'm eventually going to do a vertical tasting of Tanat from DA, mm. starting from 2012. And it would be fun to have some Tanats to compare to that. And I'm thinking maybe next year we'll we'll do that just before harvest mm-hmm. of the 2017 vintage. Well, let me know. I'll, I'll bring it's some more bottles then. made that heart of darkness. That's surprising. What's Tanat? Whoa. Yeah, they're they usually like the big, you know, oaky like, deals, yeah. This was a long time ago. Yeah, 2001. That was... Wow, that was a long time ago. I probably had it in 04 or 05. Nice. That was when I was like, oh, what is that? Because <laughs> first, it was Nebbiolo. is like the thing. Man, I know. That's I'm really favorite. tempted to do a Nebbiolo party on Inauguration Day. I have That's some... That's what... An I, amazing pirate bottle of 2008 Obon Climat Nebbiolo from his personal vineyard. I love Nebbiolo, too. Like I, I either love a Nebbiolo or hate it. I've had good... For me, when it comes to Nebbiolo, it's either I love this Nebbiolo or I hate this Nebbiolo. It's never a... I kind of like this Nebbiolo. <laughs> I don't think it's that tough. Most of them are, are either I love, but there's been some like, what the fuck is this shit? I hate it. You're right. I mean... I would kind of feel the same way. Like, have you had the San Marketer Nebula Rosé? No. You should, oh. because it's amazing. Is it, was that their newest release? I think their newest release was San Giovese Nebbiolo and something else. Mm. I had it at the AVA thing in Phoenix, and I didn't, I, I can't remember. I worry that the AVA people think that I'm against them because I've never been to a single AVA event, but it's like, no, I work. Unfortunately, I can't drop what I'm doing at the drop of a hat and visit. Um, because I really like what that AVA is doing because it went from Arizona certification to sort of collection of data mm. across the board of Arizona grapes, which I agree with, and we need more data collection. Yeah. Which is why I started my fucking blog in the first place. It was just a place to kind of, A, make me feel classy, <laughs> B, a place to kind of put my notes and opinions of Arizona wines as a place that it will be collected all the time. Um, to have that sort of collective data. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is history. Yeah. In a bottle. And we are in the golden age of Arizona wine. We're entering it just You're about. Right. I think so. Uh, I think in the long run, you know, 50 years from now, or even exactly. 25 years from now, yeah. when the California vineyards are all going downhill, and everyone's buying Arizona vineyards, because... Are they going to go downhill like an earthquake, literally? 
downhill? No, mostly because climate change. Oh, okay, I see. Climate change is just not going to be tenable to, to grow grapes in California, I think. All these winemakers in California are going to be buying Arizona vineyards to kind of replace what they've lost in California. And Arizona will just be a second, will be California East. Yeah. I think in the long run. And, and just be when they move over, because they won't know of all this experimentation we've done. And they'll just try to bring back, oh, this is what we did in California. This will work here now. And blunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had good California wines, but by and large, I avoid California wines. Um, i not crazy about most of the Napa palette. This Merlot that we had tonight was completely different. Mm -hmm. um, because it was more of that Bordeaux-style palette, it right. shocked me. You haven't had a couple. Amplify. You have not had the Amplify, for example. Woo! Which is everyone's, I think, second or third favorite. Yeah. It's 2015. Totally, like, foot stomped. Um, they do very small case amounts. Um, soil, perfect for Merlot. All sustainable vineyards. 100% um, Merlot. The guy is doing the natural wine route. Um, so, like pretty much no SO2, and if you know about, like, adding sulfur, like, all of these wines probably had tons of sulfur to it. This is only 15 parts per million, right before bottling, and no no sulfur during elevage or, like, in the barrel. All neutral oak, just to keep the sense of Merlot, and about 12 months, so about a year in neutral oh, wow. and it's just, like... I think it's just fucking incredible. <laughs> for for a guy just like, you know, like my age, just doing his thing. And um, it's very light. It's super light, light because it's all foot stops. You're not having to machine press the grapes. It's it's just... Oh, that makes me want Isla here. Those yeah, I tried That's great. to get Isla here. I've only she... stopped one once. Mm. My mother shot me once. But you can see that color, you know, it's just like so much lighter. But it's also new. But it's still darker than the Bowie, by far. Like, yeah, in a way. Um, but it's 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 just that new world Merlot, you know. But with I was gonna say it's very fruity on the nose. Mm -hmm. Super fruity. I like it. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I can't pour things back into a bottle worth shit. There are paper towels underneath you. Well, oh. there's also the sponge. The sponge. I'm just gonna the sponge. It's here. You're gonna lean right on a. Oh, did you get it? Yeah, you're gonna lean right on a spot. Oh, this jacket has already gotten spotted with Merlot. It needs to be dry cleaned. <laughs> with previous Merlot, not tonight's Merlot. No, no, tonight's Merlot. Spotted with Merlot. <laughs> that would be a good band name, yeah. Oh, look, it's even opened to band names all from yesterday. Liturgical Arabic Bitches. Yes. That was our last band name. Now I forgot our new one. What was our new one? Um, Merlot Spotted, Spotted Jacket. Spotted with, Spotted with Merlot. Well, then Merlot Spotted Jacket would be a good song, too. Merlot. Oh, it tapped Merkin. Well, anyway, guys, um, we have degenerated into chaos, so I should probably close this now while I can. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you. It was awesome. Thank you guys for hosting, by the way, Steve. I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, sharing. 
Until next time, this is the Arizona Wine Monk and Friends uh, signing off.